with Doug and Linda Lewis. Doug is a certified financial planner, providing you with a personal financial hotline to answer your questions about tax planning, investments, retirement planning, estate planning, and education planning. Doug and Linda are the owners of Lewis Financial Management, a registered investment advisory firm in Raleigh, providing financial and investment services since 1983. Doug and Linda will be answering your questions on WPTF's phone lines anytime during the next hour. Call 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Call toll-free 1-800-662-7979. And for mobile phones, it's Star 680. And now, Doug and Linda Lewis and Money Matters. Hello there, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters with Doug and Linda has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all of your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 20 years. And again, with me as usual tonight is my wife, Linda, who works with me in our firm, Lewis Financial Management. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. Doug and I are the owners of Lewis Financial Management, a registered investment advisory firm in Raleigh, providing investment in financial advice since 1983. For over 20 years, we've been answering your questions on the WPTF phone lines. They are your questions and our answers. So sit back and enjoy, or if you're free, call us tonight on the open lines. We'll take your calls anytime during the next hour. You're free to call in and ask any financial question about your own personal financial planning. Call us at 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Or you can call us toll-free, long-distance, at 1-800-662-7979. Well, financial planning is everyone's business, and still for most folks, money matters are just a big puzzle. Folks have questions about planning for retirement, planning for a child's college education. They don't know the difference between financial planning and money management. They want to know a lot these days. They want to know what's a mutual fund, what's a limited partnership, what's a REIT, What's a will? What's a living will? And yes, it really can confuse you, but you're not alone. Because in a world crowded with new investments, changing tax laws, rapidly evolving insurance products, and volatile economic cycles, more and more people are looking for clear direction in their financial lives. And yet, unfortunately, the busier and the more successful they are, the less time they have to sort out their financial affairs. And people are asking, is there any solution? Well, yes, Doug, there certainly is a solution. Out of this increasingly complicated financial environment has come a new breed of professionals that are trying to solve people's money puzzles. And that's the Certified Financial Planner. It's the certified financial planner who offers something that people don't get from the traditional stockbroker, money manager, accountant, insurance agent, or bank trust officer. And that's a way to consolidate all aspects of people's financial affairs into one financial plan. It's the certified financial planner who knows how to pull together all six areas of a client's financial life. Doug, I think for many people, the first area of financial planning is cash flow planning with questions about their emergency fund, their mortgage, their credit cards, and reducing their debt. Well, yes, Linda, and yet for many people, the second area of financial planning is retirement planning. Those who are working want to know how to compute what they'll need to live on during retirement and how much they should be saving for retirement. They want to know what investments they should choose from the choices in their company's 401k plan. 
Others are retiring and have received a lump sum payout option from their company's retirement plan, and they want to know, should they take it, and if so, how should they invest it? Well, Doug, the third area of financial planning that must be dealt with is estate planning. For most people, over their working years, their estate has grown. How can they reduce their estate taxes? And they wonder, are their simple wills sufficient, or maybe they should be considering the complicated world of trusts? If that's the third area, Linda, the fourth area of financial planning cannot be overlooked. This is tax planning. People are interested in both tax reduction strategies and tax reduction investments. Home mortgage interest, charitable giving, tax shelters, tax-free bonds, questions about capital gains taxes, estate taxes, gift taxes, and how to sell real estate tax-free using trusts. What a confusion. Well, Doug, we can't forget the fifth area of financial planning, which is insurance planning. How much life insurance does a family really need? Do they have too little insurance or maybe too much insurance? Should they have whole life, term, or universal? Should they have long-term nursing care coverage? You're right, Lynn. And, of course, the sixth and most important area of financial planning is investment planning. Here, the questions never stop. What's the best way to diversify my investments? Is now a safe time to invest in stocks? What about bonds? What kind of stock mutual funds? Bond mutual funds? Equipment leasing partnerships? REITs? CDs? Gold? Annuities? So, Doug, it seems that at last it's time for people to understand that a certified financial planner is really the only one who can tie together all six parts of their financial puzzle. And to you out there listening, if you've got a question on your mind about cash flow planning, retirement planning, estate planning, tax planning, insurance, or investments, call us now on the open lines and we'll answer your financial planning questions. Those numbers to call are 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Out-of-towners, call us toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And if you just want to sit back and listen to the callers through the years, welcome to the show. Well, Deborah, Linda, here we are again coming into the home stretch right to the end of the year. And I think all of our hot weather it seems to have disappeared on us. I don't know. What happened to those 70 degrees, 70? I think this past week we had a 78-degree day. Beautiful, just beautiful, but all of a sudden it's getting to feel like winter. It really is. It went from nice and balmy to a little crisp out there. Yeah, and I well, should I announce... Think we need to remind ourselves that it is winter. <laughs> I think you're right, Linda. Let me make a quick announcement. Investments offered through HBEC Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management, HBEC Inc., and Lewis Financial Management are not affiliated. We sure have a lot of uh, a lot of topics to talk about tonight, well, don't we, guys? Yes, we, really we do. do. And here we are at the last quarter of the year and the last month of the year. So, Doug, um, I was wondering, what are some of the uh, tax planning strategies that we can uh, share with our listeners here as we uh, come into the uh, final days of December 2011? Well, you know, Lynn, the the tax tips year-end tax moves, they're always pretty much the same options. What's new this year is media volatility and what's going to be coming in a new tax law, because we do have uh, an election year in front of us, and we have some expiring or potentially expiring uh, tax 
incentives and so on. But the media volatility is creating questions that people have. What about capital gains? What about losses? What should I do? What about my uh, um, my IRA? What about my 401k? Uh, should I switch my type of retirement plan to get a higher type of deduction? And the media is uh, making the markets move so much that I would say the first thing to look at is the matter of harvesting losses. Now, when you say harvesting losses, is that uh, as simple as it sounds or should we maybe do a little defi- defining of it? Oh, I'm glad you did put it that way, Deborah, because... I guess I assume everybody remembers that you should harvest your losses, and no, uh, probably people don't. Let's say that you are anticipating capital gains on some of your mutual funds this year. All right. So they went up in value. Right. All right. So they've gone up in value. uh, And then because of this media volatility, maybe a good fund that you have has dropped strongly. For example, some of the gold funds I know are down over 20%, but some of the people love their their funds, and they don't want to get rid of that fund. Okay. Well, what you can do is you can – it's called loss harvesting. You can match your losses and your gains. For example, let's say you've got a fund that you really like, and it is down. On paper, you've got a loss. You're convinced, number one – that it's just the media that's driving it down. Number two, you believe that you want to keep this. Not you believe, you do. You want to keep the fund. And number three, you believe that over time it will make money for you and there's a gain, but it's down. And then you have this other fund that is up and it has generated realized gains. Okay, so it's increased in value. We now have realized gains. Uh, no, no, that's that's unrealized gains. Ah, that's unrealized gains. Okay. Realized gains are the gains that a manager of the mutual fund makes through the year when he buys and sells, when he sells stocks inside your fund for more than he paid for them. He's made a gain, which has become real, and he passes it on to you. And at the end of the year, very often, these funds announce how much are your realized gains that you will pay tax on. Okay. okay. Just the fact that it's gone up in value, that might be unrealized. But now you know you have realized gains, and most funds have already announced them. Okay. They're going to announce the, what they expect the gains to be this year. So you've got one fund that's got gains that are realized and ready for you to pay tax on, unfortunately, and you have this other fund which is down, but you like it, and you believe media volatility has temporarily driven it down. Exactly. And, and it is an unrealized, unrealized loss. loss. So basically, if we if we had a, a fund that uh, when you bought the fund, it was uh, the value was at twenty five thousand, and let's say the value is now down to twenty thousand. Say twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. Okay. So does it have $5,000 loss there? It's an unrealized loss because it's not real yet. Exactly. It's just down. It's sort of like, uh, you know, it's like the blue tag sale at Sears or whatever they call those things when all of a sudden uh, the coat that's worth $100 is on sale today for, for thirty nine ninety nine or right, something like that. Right. It's, it's still a hundred dollar coat. That was the blue light special oh, sorry at Kmart. Sorry. Okay, sorry about that. All right. Anyway, you still believe it's a hundred dollar coat or whatever our example is. Okay. But it's it's just, on sale. It's an They're unre- trying to get rid exactly. It's an unrealized loss. If you realize that loss, 
you, you can then harvest those losses. And if someone wants to harvest those losses... What you've done is you have made them real and now they are losses. But since 1986, those losses are not usable on your tax return unless you have realized gains to offset the realized losses. And remember that other fund that you had where the manager has been realizing those gains... And you've had the announcement that you've got realized gains here, and here you've got unrealized losses. You can realize your losses by selling in this other fund, and now you have losses to wipe out the gains in the fund, in the other fund. Okay, everybody clear on that so far? Got it. All right, we've harvested the losses and used them to wipe out the gains in the other fund. But now there is another thing to watch out for. And that other thing to watch out for is called the wash Wash sale rule. rule. That's what I was thinking about. Okay. You want to explain it or you want me to explain it? Well, isn't, if you were in that particular fund that had gone down. Yes. And you move out of the fund. Yes. uh, Before year end. Okay. And then 30 days later, you move back into the fund. You would lose it. You would lose that potential. You would. You would realize okay. the loss, right? You're real close. If you move back into that fund after you sold it and you move back in in 29 days, then you don't get to use the losses. You have to hold it for, for 30, 30. 30. Let's say, I'll always, I always say 31. So you can go back into that fund in 31 days without triggering the wash sale rule which wipes out your losses if you hit the wash sale rule but if you do it right you like the fund you know you're going to want to keep it and everything you harvest those losses you use them to wipe out the gains on the other fund you saved yourself all those taxes you wait 31 days and you go back in you haven't triggered the wash sale rule and you're right back to where you were before you did any of these moves and lo and behold you saved yourself a lot of taxes. You're listening to Money Matters on uh, with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. And if you've got questions about year-end tax planning strategies or your investments or retirement planning, call us on the open lines at 860-WPTF. That's 860-9783. And out-of-towners, it is toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And visit our website at lfmadvisor.com. Well, Doug, what other strategies are there as far as uh, tax planning, year-end tax planning strategies you can share with our listeners? Yeah. The big thing is what about procrastinators and their retirement plans. Ooh, good topic. Yeah. We've now, been hearing a lot of those questions in the office. We recently. do. We do. A lot of our clients, Deborah, have been coming in asking these very questions. Okay. So what kind of retirement plans can you think of? 403Bs, 401Ks, IRAs, SEP IRAs. <laughs> very good. Okay. All of these are retirement plans. Right. They give a tax deduction for a contribution. For a contribution. All right. And that's very good because they're usually above the AGI line, which works very nicely. Now, what this means, however, is that there are different rules for when you can, if you've procrastinated and haven't funded your 401k or your SEP IRA to the maximum or to where you want to fund it, you can do so depending on what kind of plan you've got. 
If you have a 401k, you have to fund it by December 31, meaning you got to put in your contribution. Okay. Okay. All right. And that immediately reduces your taxes. If it's a 403b, that also. Before December 31. Right. However, if you happen to have an IRA or a SEP IRA, then you get a special benefit. You can wait until April 17th if you want and still get the deduction for the year 2011. That would be powerful. That's very powerful because depending, I mean, you could actually, if you do it right, if you've got high enough income and you've got a SEP IRA, you could get as much as $48,000 into your SEP and depending whether your wife was working with you or not, you can get over $100,000, over $90,000 of deductions by making contributions to your own accounts if if your numbers work out right. So for sure, don't miss that second benefit of funding your retirement accounts. To and its so, maximum so amount. Exactly. And so work with your um, certified financial planner or your accountant. Make sure that you've looked at what benefit you will have by contributing to your 401k, your 403b before year end, or uh, forecast what you want to uh, contribute uh, to your by April, April 17th to your IRA or your SEP IRA. Right. Now, there's some other moves that can be made. And what is that, Doug? Well, of course, what's the first thing you think about when you think about getting a tax deduction for most people? Charity. Charity. Okay, a charitable gift. Well, there's a lot of different ways. Yes, yes, charitable contributions. There's a lot of ways you can play the charitable contribution part. Uh, they do have to be made before January 1. Uh, you can go ahead and give cash to your favorite charity, of course. You can also give non-cash assets. You can give bicycles and clothing. You can also give stocks that are appreciated. Some people are giving cars away. Well, that's true. I was thinking of a stock, Linda, that has gone up in value. Let's consider this. Let's say you've got a stock that's worth $50,000. You bought it many years ago, and it, you only paid $20,000 for it. And you say, I think I'll give this $50,000 stock to my favorite charity and get a $50,000 charitable deduction. Okay, so you mm-hmm. have two ways to do this. Number one, you can sell the stock and then give the 50000 to your charity. The right. problem is, in selling the stock, you created a $30,000 capital gain, which might be as much as six or $7,000 in taxes. If you don't sell it and get the cash and give it, but give the whole stock, you avoid the all value. the capital gain. You don't have the capital gains tax, and you get the charitable deduction. So that's one thing, of course. You can gift something that's appreciated in its uh, own form. Okay. Uh, another thing you can do uh, is you can go ahead and you can you can look at uh, is there any benefit to quickly getting in place a charitable trust that may or may not be possible or desirable. But it's certainly there. Uh, there are special rules for taking money out of uh, large IRAs. If you're over 70 and a half years old, those over 70 and a half years old with an IRA, uh, they're, of course, required to make what's called a, Deborah, what's the required minimum distribution, required minimum distribution, otherwise known as the RMD for everybody over 70 and a half years old. However, if you want to take money out of that IRA 
and give it to a charity, you can avoid the RMD and give it straight from there. So if you had an appreciated asset and you're over 70 and a half and you gave it directly to the charity? No. Okay. If it's in your IRA and you want to say get out of an IRA, let's say $20,000, all right, maybe your RMD is $20,000 that year. Okay. And you will say, well, I'll take my required minimum distribution of $20,000. I'll take it out and then I'll give it to charity. But I don't need the income. So I don't need the it, income. Right. All right. Give it to there charity. Is a, right. There is a special uh, provision that says you can take out up to $100,000 from your IRA and give it directly to a charity without having to pay the tax as it comes out. Okay. All right. Now, you don't get the charitable deduction. Okay. But you avoid paying the tax on getting the money out. On getting the income that would be coming as in the form of a required minimum distribution. That's right. Or any withdrawal. Or any withdrawal from a retirement plan. And the minimum, of course, is being applied because you're 70 or 70 and a half. Right. Okay. One other thing occurs to me. Watch the alternative minimum tax. Watch out for the AMT. You know, if we, of course, we live in North Carolina. Do we pay a state tax in North Carolina? Yes. <laughs> yes <we do. laughs> a lot of clients want to know, should I move to Florida? Should I move to Texas? Okay. Yes, we do pay a state tax. All right. If, however, you have not paid your fourth quarter, estimates. you know, you make your estimates. Yes. A lot yes. of people make estimates through right. the year mm-hmm. to North Carolina. And you run an analysis and see that you're going to be hitting the alternative minimum tax. Okay then you should not go ahead and pay Pay that that fourth fourth quarter because it'll be wasted on your federal tax return. You can take a tax deduction for everything you give to North Carolina for taxes. All your North Carolina taxes that you pay are deductions on your federal federal return unless you're in the alternative minimum tax. Okay. So that's something to definitely check. And, of course, we do that for all of our clients, standard we check every one of our clients to see if they're in the AMT, and we send them letters saying do or don't. If you're not in the AMT, get that fourth quarter contribute that fourth quarter paid before December 31, or you won't be able to use it. If you are in the AMT, then don't pay it until. So after. you should make sure that you either uh, get some advice from your financial planner, your certified financial planner, or your accountant, and do some. Uh, uh, tax planning before the end of the year. Don't wait till April of next year. And make sure if there are any strategies that you can use in your situation. And if you've got any question, you're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us on the open lines at 860 WPTF. That's 860 9783. And if you're out of town, it is toll free. 1-800-662-7979. And if you uh, want to call us during the week, our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's at Lewis Financial Management during the week. And I think we have a caller, Doug. All right. Let's see who's on, who's, who's dialing in. All right. We're waiting for our caller, getting some information. Okay. Yeah, we'll take Ray's call. Hi, Ray. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? Uh, I appreciate that. You're talking about RMDs, and I'm caught into that trap right now. I have a very minimal amount of money left in the uh, IRA. I moved most of it over to a, uh, a Roth or 
but I need to understand what I need to do by the end of this year for uh, taxes and what have you. Well, when you took your money out of your, uh, so ha, who, the custodian of your IRA, have they notified you that you have fulfilled your RMD requirements yet? No, I did this before I turned 70 and a half. I did this a year ago, and it's already been taken care of on taxes as far as paying the, the taxes for the move over. So how much is left in your IRA? I believe it's about $100. It's a guessing. I, I haven't taken a look lately. Okay, well, in other words, there's only a, a minimal amount of cash still in there. Yes. Well, the good news, all right, the bad news is you are facing a 50% tax penalty on not getting your RMD out. That's the well, bad news, okay? That's at the end of the year? Uh, you have to December 31. However, yeah. the good news is that the RMD, the required minimum distribution on $100, was probably only about a dollar or two, so you might play, be facing a 50-cent penalty or whatever. <laughs> okay? So I'm, make, I'm making a little joke with you, but what I'm really saying is I would just cash the thing out. It's no big deal. Take out the $100. In other words, the required minimum distribution is a percentage of the hundred dollars. I understand that, but so take the whole thing out, and then you've then you've exceeded the RMD. Why do I have a fifty percent penalty if uh, I turn seventy one and a half this year? You won't have any penalty if you take out the hundred dollars. Excuse me, if I turn seventy and a half this year, you won't have any penalty if you take out the hundred dollars. Okay, what's what's the minimum without a penalty? Uh, it's going to be based on a, a table that says how many years you've got left to uh, to live and so on. But I wouldn't worry about it. The amount of tax you're going to pay on 100 bucks is meaningless, right? Where do I go for the paperwork on this to, to be able to process all this? Uh, you send in a – who's the custodian of your IRA, Ray? Vanguard. Vanguard. Call Vanguard and tell them to send you – to liquidate and send it to you in cash, and they'll probably say, we can't take that instruction over the phone, but we'll go ahead and take it in writing, and then they'll send you a piece. They might take it over the phone. Uh-huh. They, they might take it over the phone. Some custodians will, some custodians won't, but that's what you want. Tell them to send the check to you, and then you've triggered a $100 taxable income, and who knows, the tax would be meaningless, and then you're yeah. out of the problem. Okay. If we can help you any more, yeah, Ray, thank you for calling. And if we can help any more, call us at the office. Our office number is 919-872-7000. And we'll be happy to help you in all of your financial planning needs. Appreciate that. Have a blessed Christmas. You too now, Ray. You too. Thanks for calling. Okay, Linda. All right. Thanks for calling, Ray. Um, Well, Doug, uh, there are some other interesting uh, articles that we saw. And one of them has to do with... The truth about wealth and how to stay wealthy once you've earned it. That was a that was a very illuminating uh, article in the Wall Street Journal Weekend Investor, Linda. And what it really pointed out, I think, would probably surprise a lot of people. You know, affluence is becoming a temporary phenomenon. In other words, I. Uh, People used to think, well, if I ever become a millionaire, then I've got it made. But what they were showing was that the the statistics are showing that 34% of the people who were earning in the top 1%, 34% of them fell. They lost. And then not only that, they're finding out that most people who are achieving wealth are, are losing it. 
And so it's a temporary phenomenon. It's not a matter of now I've made it and I've made it uh, for life. They're finding out that looking at the statistics, uh, it's just not working. Uh, one out of three uh, in, one, in, in one table, it said one out of three of the richest 1% in the country in 2009, that's one out of three of them, weren't even in the top at all by 2009. That's how many. So the super wealthy are losing their, their, their wealth because of, a, well, I would say because of stupidity. But maybe did they point to did they point to several reasons uh, as to why people are tending to make uh, those mistakes? Yeah, they did, Deborah. They 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 pointed to things about uh, um, they called it your wealth beta. Okay. And your beta, you know, is a term. Do you remember what beta means? Anybody? Beta is volatility in the world of investments. As okay. a mile marker. As a mile, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like a gauge. How volatile is your portfolio? What's your beta? Okay, so they use this term beta to talk about how high is your beta, meaning how high is your wealth beta. I, uh, it was it was it was interesting the way they looked at it because they said that for a lot of people, one of the big problems was over concentration. Over concentration was one of was I think it was the probably the top it was one of the top five reasons that people are losing uh, their wealth. They they tend to bet big on a single company or a single asset or a single stock or a single startup or gold or real estate. They've got over concentration, and of course that's one of the no nos in our firm. Of course, you know that we always focus on diversification. But over-concentration, too much in any one thing, is the biggest reason that the wealthy lose their wealth. So were they pointing to someone's or one's wealth being in too much of one asset category? Yeah. They didn't think that you should have more than 10%. In other words, there was a risk that if you had more than 10% in any one asset, then you're moving into that danger zone. Doug, let me me ask you about... uh, uh, an example. For example, you've got someone who's either been working at IBM or Progress Energy, and so every every pay period they're just buying more stock in the company. Right. Some people do that. Oh, we've seen them, and haven't we? They do it Linda? in their retirement plan. We have seen that. And then over a period of time, they've just been so diligent about accumulating that they didn't think about where, what they had been accumulating. That's right. They just did it. Like clockwork. You know something else that's scary, Linda, just occurred to me? And what's that? How many times have we had a widow come to us as a financial planning client and because her husband made that uh, over-concentration mistake, she's fearful. She's fearful of changing and she doesn't even realize how dangerous is the position that she is in? Exactly. Well, this they pointed to as a big problem in the wealthy staying wealthy, keeping your wealth once you've earned it. The second thing they pointed out to Deborah was leverage. They said debt has become the rocket fuel for lifting the rich into another financial orbit. Mm. Well, that amplifies gains, but it also magnifies losses. And in recent years, the wealthy, the article pointed out, have been using more debt than ever to maximize their investment gains expanding their businesses, or even worse, funding their own lifestyles. So lo and behold, leverage was the other big problem that's causing the wealthy to lose their wealth once they've achieved it. 
And again, that's usually just a ratio, a factor of how much do you want to have in the first point, liquid versus illiquid, right. types of investments versus um, uh, use assets versus investment assets. Correct. All of these things that we talk about. And then debt, it in itself needs to be a ratio. That's how right. much debt do you need to have compared to how much of the things that you own, ownership and loanership and analyzing these things. That's exactly right, Deborah. It's simply a matter of knowing the proper ratio. And you must work with a certified financial planner who is a fiduciary who cares about you and your goals, who will teach you how to look at your ratios. Now, the third problem that they pointed to was spending. Even among the more restrained wealthy, some of these folks really don't have an idea of how much they're spending. There was this one financial planner who uh, said that many people just look at their paper net worth and assume that they can afford to spend what they want. They buy a fourth home. <laughs> they have terrible. no idea. I mean, well, you know, we get so many people that come in and they have no clue. What is their net worth? And so it is important to look at what you have, where it's located, how much debt do you have, and really, should do you really need that house at the beach? <laughs> Maybe you don't. And, and maybe and maybe approaching it from the side of, well, I really need to know what my true living expenses are. How much does it cost me to really live? And then you would have a better handle on what's being spent wisely and what's not. The solution that they gave, I'm not sure I liked the whole solution in the article, but one of the solutions uh, that they pointed to was having two buckets. One bucket of investments that's producing income for you to live on on your recurring monthly expenses. And that's not bad. I just didn't like the way they laid it out. We do it a little differently in our firm, but we do go ahead and focus on what are your recurring living expenses and where is the money going to come from? You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you've got a question about your cash flow, your wealth, call us on the open lines at 860-WPTF. That's 860-9783. And if you're out of town or coming back from the beach, it's toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. Last couple things they mentioned in the article, Linda. They did talk about what's the proper debt ratio. They said that you should never have more than 25% of your debt to your assets in your total uh, financial picture, and they had a lot to say about entrepreneurs. All of those things, of course, are part of the daily uh, what we do in our office at Lewis Financial Management. Well, you're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis, and if you've got a question, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on the open lines at 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. And if you're out of town, call us toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And for cellular callers, it is star 680. Well, Doug, let's take a caller now. Well, Dean, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? I've got a couple of questions. What kind of cost are you looking at for, for financial services such as yours? Well, I never go ahead and mention advisory fees on the air because they differ according to clients. We charge at our practice. We charge by the hour. Some planners go ahead and give a flat annual fee. We do offer that to certain clients. Other planners go ahead and charge any number of types of either by the hour or by the quarter, by the month, by the year, by the plan, and so forth. But if you'll call the office during the week, Linda will go ahead and she can discuss that with you a little more. My job tonight is to really to sort of educate you as to what's out there and how a planner functions. Okay, good. good. The other question I had is about re- retirement. I'm sort of remiss in getting any retirement plan started. But uh, I recently uh, talked to an insurance agent who suggested that I or suggested a plan for me. And, and when he brought forth the plan, it essentially was a whole life policy. Uh, 
and it building up over a period of time. Uh, and I really was trying to find out if there, you know, one is that is that a sound way to go about it? I mean, obviously, I guess I can use the additional coverage, but I feel like I have enough life insurance coverage. Life insurance is an arrangement between you and an insurance company that you will pay a small amount of money, called a premium, as you and I know, and that at the time that you die the insurance company will pay your beneficiary a whole bunch of money. And if you go ahead and buy a $100,000 policy or a $500,000 policy, and you go ahead and make the first monthly premium of maybe it's only $500, and you die the next month, then your wife won because she got a half million dollars and you only cost her $500. Okay, that's the gamble, and that's called that's called risk management. That's exactly what it is legally. It's risk management. Interestingly enough, it is against the law in North Carolina, according to the insurance commissioner's regulations, to use the term investment with regard to insurance. One of the things he was saying was that if one, it was would accumulate the money. Hello, you still there? Hello, Dean. I think we lost Dean. Okay, let's take Mark. I think Mark's on hold, and Dean, call us back if you are uh, if you're still there. Let's take Mark's call. Hey, Mark, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you? Hey, good evening and Merry Christmas. Oh, same to you, Mark. Hey, I got a quick question for you. I'm a loyal listener, and I think uh, 2012 will be the year that I finally take advantage of your services. I certainly love it. I've learned a lot from you over the last couple of years listening to you. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Mark. You just made my day, Mark. Boy, I like hearing that. Say that again for the audience. (laughs) I I have learned a lot from you over the last couple of years, and 2012 is going to be the year that I actually take advantage of your services, because I, I'm a firm believer now in the benefit of having somebody advising you and counseling you that is not in the pocket of uh, an investment bank or a money center bank or something like that. Okay, well, Mark, let's get down to your question then. What, what is it you want to, how can I help you right now? Two children, age 11 and age 2, have not contributed anything at all towards their college money yet. And what I'm trying to do, I know I'm not going to be able to cover 100%. I make about 95000 a year. I let's get some facts. Okay, let's back up and get a couple of facts, Mark, okay? Your kids are ages 11 and 2. And 2. 12 and 2. All right. And you're married, I presume? Married, yes. All right. Your income, Mark? 95. 95. Wife's income? Zero. All right. Family income is 95. What does your investment portfolio look like now in the non-retirement category? Have you accumulated anything yet? Less than 5000 in individual equities combined and about 35000 in cash and short-term investment security. Okay. So we don't have very much yet. We've got 5000 in stocks, 35000 in cash equivalents. What do you have in retirement accounts? I've got about 185000 combined in mutual funds and uh individual equities and a self-directed IRA. Okay. Now, as far as your living expenses, what are your recurring monthly expenses, would you say? Um, I would say right now they're probably in the neighborhood of $2,800 a month. All right, about 2800 a month times 12. So you're spending about 33000 of your 95000 on your regular expenses that leaves you 62000 to pay taxes and your non-expenses. And you know what your taxes were last year? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I Maybe about 15000 
Nah, maybe a little higher than that. I think I did a little bit, maybe closer to nineteen. Okay, nineteen thousand dollars. All right, nine from twelve is three. One from five is four. So we have forty-three thousand left over for either accumulation, non-monthly expenses, uh, funding for college, etc. All right. Okay. The first thing I would do is I would set up a pay yourself first automatic investment plan, and I think you ought to be able to make it at about thirty five hundred a month. So you're starting at thirty five hundred a month, and you're having that drafted from your checking account into a mutual fund or mutual funds of your own, and that is the beginning of this accumulation. Now, you have uh, another eight years, well, seven years, before your first one reaches college, right? Correct. Okay. So as you're accumulating over this period of time, all right, and if we do this times 12 times... Okay, he's doing some calculations here. So assuming nothing goes wrong, which obviously Murphy's Law says that's a false assumption. But anyway, assuming nothing goes wrong, uh, you will accumulate about $300,000 in this little plan. Okay. All right. Uh, actually, you do more than that, probably about 400000 because that was just uh, the the invested amount. Okay. Maybe about 400000 Let's use that number just as an example. Then all you're right. going to come to the question, all right, with this $400,000, then... Uh, what do I do about college? Well, I could go ahead and start uh, taking hunks out of here. If he wants to go, let's say, to NC State or whatever, maybe you're going to spend 20000 a year, 30000 a year, right? Yeah. That's one way to do it. I don't like that way. Uh, right now, I'm recommending all of the clients fund their college education needs by using um, what is it, Parent Plus? the Parent Plus program. Now, the Parent Plus program allows the parent to borrow with a government-backed program and you only pay, you only borrow one semester or one year at a time and you don't, and then it's paid out. So let's say that uh, that the costs are $25,000, okay? Okay. For his freshman year, all right? What you want to do, first of all, is you're going to divide that by 10. So that says the payments are going to be about 2500 per year divided by 12 months that's going to be about 200 bucks a month with interest it might be $300 a month okay so you okay. just you just got your first year of college for $300 a month now that $300 a month that can come off of that $400,000 that you accumulated right sure okay then the next year you buy the next one and what you are doing is you're allowing i like to think of investments as chickens and the income coming off of them, it's eggs. What you're doing in this is you're keeping the chickens and letting the eggs come off to pay for his college. And you're spreading it. Now, he finishes college, and you've done this four years. He finishes college, and at this point, you can, if you choose to, pass it on to the child to finish it off, or you can continue on your own. But what you've done is you've allowed the chickens, you've allowed the compounding of the total investment portfolio to continue. So let me ask you this. So this is, is this actually facilitated directly through the federal government, unlike a, like a 529 plan or something like that? Uh, yeah, they're backed by the government. The loans are backed by the government, okay? 
you may you 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 process the loans, and the loans are directly. Uh, is it pe- College Foundation? College Foundation is one of them. Is is the major? Uh, but then they send they send the loan amount to the school directly. Okay. The child doesn't have to qualify. You can make a million dollar a year income. You can send your kid to a Harvard. There is no requirements whatsoever because it's not a it's not a financial need based program. You're not filling out the FAFSA forms and doing all that stuff. So, okay, so but the five the, I don't like the five twenty nine plans at all. Okay, all right. So let me ask you this because I am going to come to you in twenty twelve. Can you just do me a favor? Can, I, can you give recommend at least a website so I can educate myself about this plan? Because I'm quite frankly, Parent Plus. Go to ParentPlus dot com. ParentPlus dot com. Uh huh. Okay, I'll definitely then. I, it's actually Linda actually sent me a couple of months ago. Sent me a package as far as getting organized before I had my first appointment with you. Awesome. But uh, yes. Linda, have you been talking to someone behind my back, honey? I when they Don't call at the office, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, Linda, Mark, I, <laughs> we want to help you. Guys. Say Merry Christmas to both of you. You provide a tremendous value and a tremendous service, and I really. I look forward to uh, sitting down with you, Doug, and getting a chance to meet you personally in 2012. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Mark. You and your family have a wonderful um, holiday season, and the Lord bless you and keep you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. All right. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you've got a question, call us on the open lines at 860 WPTF. That's 860 9783. Toll free, it is 1-800-662-7979. You know, Deborah, your brother, actually, uh, I used that program uh, to send your brother to uh, Guilford. I, wasn't that I couldn't afford to pay for his college, but I like the program so much. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice program, the Parent yeah. Plus program. And the interest rate may be higher, but that's not the driving force. It's the not. use of the money. Doug, right. a- answer a question real quick before we go to this next topic. Why don't you like the 529 plans? Well, there are too many variables that are taken away from you. It's tax-driven, first of all. But different programs, for example, a lot of the states have their own 529 plan. Virginia happens to have the best 529 plan because of the uh, the investments that you're allowed to use there. But these 529 plans, they're tied to investments, which may not be the best investments. They may not be the best funds and so forth. And then suppose the child doesn't go to college. Too many things are 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 driven by a a. Ta- it's like you know how I always say in the office, Linda, never let the tax tail wag the dog. That's what it is. And I don't think the five twenty nines will be around long. They just there's been too much negative about them anyway. Keep it simple. <laughs> All right. All right. You know there was uh, this matter, however, of. Um, well, wasn't there an article that really discussed the truth about fee-only financial planners? It really, it was a shocking article, Linda. The article... Who was it written by? Well, it was written by a gentleman in the Investment News magazine. His name is Bert Whitehead. And uh, what is intriguing to me is he was one of the uh, uh, pioneers that helped in the early days the Fee-Only Financial Planning Association, otherwise known as NAPFA. NAPFA is N-A-P-F-A, and that's the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, otherwise known as the Fee-Only Financial Planners. But he is really attacking the conflict of interest 
in the fee-only financial planning world. Really intriguing. He, he basically pointed out that there, uh, there's a sales pitch happening there. There's a pitch that's going along with, well, I'm, my benefits are, uh, tied to how you do. And if you, if you make more money, then I'll make more money. And I'm only going to charge one and a half percent a year and on your million dollar investments, uh, your portfolio and so forth. But what he pointed out was that's the way they say it. But they don't say it's going to cost you $15,000 a year. If they said it like that, all of a sudden, it would be, well, wait a second here now. And then the other and thing. And that's 15000 every year. Every year. Every year. But then he said that there are real conflicts in this whole arrangement. He said, for example, you're supposed to be a fiduciary. And they use this, we're a fiduciary. We're a fiduciary. We're a fiduciary. We're fee-only financial planners. But his article, as a fee-only planner, mind you, was, no, there are real conflicts there. He says, when you're advising a client to roll over a 401k to bring it under the management of the fee-only planner, what you're really doing is increasing your fees when the same investment options may be better over there and not cost anything, but because you make more money, you're advising them to bring it over. Or what about paying off a mortgage, he said. Another thing is, not the conflict is take a big hunk of money out of your portfolio to pay off your mortgage, maybe that's best for the client, but that reduces your fee. And so there's not going to be that kind of advice usually. And then you say, what about making contributions, large contributions to charities? Uh, or what about they buying a large... That's recommend right. you do that. All of these things, uh, which may be in the best interest of the client and a true fiduciary such as himself should be advising you to do that. The conflict is... That that's not what's happening. And I really thought, you know, I I give him a lot of credit. He called a spade a spade. And really, I think the um, the article was a great article. It was in the November issue of Investment News that financial planners received. And he was advising them, if you are really a fiduciary, you should get rid of your whole pricing model and give a flat fee. Don't do any percent of assets under management. And then the other thing he said was. What about financial planning? You're calling yourselves financial planners, but you're not financial planners. You're really just asset gatherers. You're signing powers of attorney. You're having the client sign a power of attorney, and then you're buying and selling on their behalf. And, and what was the whole thing about if if they own stocks, you're charging more? Charge more, he said. A lot of them have a higher fee for stocks in the portfolio than for bonds in the portfolio. He just... He just called a spade a spade. He went right down the line showing how fee-only financial planning, the way it is being promoted to the public, is really a sham. And I thought, wow, that's really good. Because those of us on the financial planning side, we know the difference between financial planning and money management. And that's money management. That's having clients send their money over to a money manager, having them sign a power of attorney, filling out a little risk profile sheet. Using a third-party money manager even. That's right. That's not financial planning. Financial planning, and there was a really good article that the Wall Street Journal had uh, talking about what is the uh, right way to pay your financial advisor. They went much more deeply into this matter saying, look at the services you want. Well, and, and so the bottom line is, if you're working with a fee 
uh, fee-only planner or a a financial planner who's charging a fee, get a a disclosure of what you're paying for. Good. Uh, What kind of advice are you paying for and what kinds of fees are you paying? Make sure that you're not just being paid uh, without even knowing what you're paying for. The services. And really. how much you're paying. That's right. What services are you getting? Are you just having your money sent to a third-party advisor and just getting money management? Or are you really getting tax advice? Are you getting estate advice? Are you getting uh, cash, flow advice. cash flow advice? All the things that a real State financial planner. planner does, are you getting those services or are you just getting money management? A lot of folks, uh, it it may not be disclosed in much detail, but but you should ask these kinds of questions, shouldn't you, Doug? And if your advisor is a tax planner, ask him, has he paid his taxes? And you know something, Linda? Sometimes the best thing to do is just get an hourly fee. Pay by the hour for the services that you want. Come in with a list of questions, get the Form ADV, never see anybody who doesn't send you a Form ADV, and make your New Year's resolution to not be snookered again. And I, you know, I was, uh, I was glad to hear that uh, Mark, one of our callers, is going to be coming in 2012. And, uh, you know, to all of our listeners, we hope you have uh, a safe holiday here uh, as we come into the end of the year and uh, make a checklist of the questions that you have about your situation and issues that you need to address in the coming new year, whether it be making sure that you have a will drawn up, maybe you need a revocable living trust because your assets have grown, Mm -hmm. or maybe your estate has grown because you inherited assets from uh, uh, a family member that passed away. Or maybe you have a tragedy in front of you. You've got a spouse. Or We've seen some terminally ill situations. Should we change our pre-mortem ownership? Planning, pre-mortem planning. All of these yes. things, special needs planning for children. Uh, we've been seeing so many unusual situations. Don't let 2012 pass you by and don't fall into the hands of just fee-only financial planning, which is really money management. Get true financial planning that's what you're looking for, and uh, and it's out there. It really is. And I think a lot of people just begin with a list of questions. I know most of the calls that I receive during the day are uh, begin with, I've made a list of questions. Here are some of the things that I've been thinking about that you know I need to talk to someone about. That's really good. Getting the questions itemized really is the starting point. It really is. Well, everybody have a wonderful, happy holiday season. Thank you for being with us this year, and we look forward to seeing you next year. (laughs) There's the music. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug and Linda in Raleigh at 872-7000. That's USA 7000. Listen again next Sunday at 605 for Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on 680 WPTF.